It would be my joy if you would join me to, in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35, Luke chapter 12. And as you're turning there, I know Joe mentioned it earlier in his call to worship, but today's a special day for us as Christ Fellowship. It's a ascending service, a commissioning service. It's a, a day we've been praying for for 13 years, 14 years. We've been praying to raise up brothers and sisters to go and to plant gospel churches, to replant gospel churches. And we've had the joy uh, to send families across the world, to send families to plant churches among the Zazas. And, and this morning, we get the joy to send leaders and faithful members across our city. And it's really hard, too, because... Uh, it's hard to send faithful brothers and sisters, to send family that you love so dearly. Brothers and sisters that, that you call family to, to go and to proclaim the gospel in other places. But brothers and sisters, faithful churches will always be filled with gospel goodbyes if it's going to be faithful to the gospel. Faithful churches will always be filled with gospel goodbyes, as long as they're filled and, and engaged with the mission of God. And so we know this, this is a joyful celebration, but we, we hope there's many Sundays to come where we are sending people to the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus. So let's commit to pray for Forest Park. To, we're going to have time later to do that together, but, but to continue to pray that they be filled with love for one another, there be unity with the core team going there and the people that remain at Forest Park, there'd be great joy that they would see Jesus. And more than that, that many people in Bowling Green who have never heard the name of Jesus will come to see Jesus because of this day. So let's read in Luke chapter 12. It says this, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise man manager whom his master will set over his household? To give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming. And begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on that day. When he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces, and put him with the unfaithful. 
And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Let's stop there and pray. Father, we ask that you would help us today. That, Lord, we would not be impressed by anything but the glory of Jesus in this place. That we would be impressed by the power of the Spirit in our lives, calling us to be awake. Calling us to wake up as the church of Jesus Christ. To wake up, to be faithful. To be faithful to the mission of God. And, Lord, to be trusting in Christ until We see his face. Lord, we ask as we open your word that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, I want to pray this morning for our faithful brothers and sisters who are in eastern Kentucky, Lord, who are dealing with this flood. Lord, the brokenness and the sadness we see there. We we pray for Cody Jones and Joel. We pray for Drew and Leah Baldwin. And we just pray for those who are faithfully serving to get the gospel to eastern Kentucky. Lord, we pray that today that you would fill, you would flood their hearts with the steadfast love of Jesus. And that, Lord, in the days ahead, you would fill those hills with the love of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, the older that I get, the more I probably think about long-term for Christ Fellowship Church. Being 40 years old, Seems like the first half of my life is over. And the more I think about where will Christ Fellowship be a year or 10 years from now or a a, a hundred years from now. Like if we could travel in time, we could take a time travel a hundred years from now. What would Christ Fellowship be found doing? Who will be the elders? Who will be leading? What will be their mission? What will it look like? What will be their ministries that they're engaged in? Will they be playing hymns? Will there still be tons of kids running around? Will will the organ have made a comeback? Maybe the person preaching 50 years from now is 
lying down in the nursery right now in the back. Who knows? We, we don't know what's going to happen 50 or 100 years from now. I know the replant of Forest Park is just now beginning, but those are things that you all have to ask about the days ahead. What, what will we put in place today that will last Five years from now, ten years from now, twenty, a hundred years from now, what will be our passion, our priorities, our mission our, that will hopefully outlive us long after we are dead and gone? Because if we're not passionate about Jesus, if we're not passionate about the gospel, if we're not passionate about the church and the mission of God today, we would be foolish to think that the next generations will recover what we let die. We would be foolish to think that the generations coming after us will recover what we let die. I, and I say this humbly because Andrew Baptist that, that met here for years, there, there were days that they had 200, 300 people gathered on a Sunday. And the church grew smaller down to 12 faithful members who didn't want to see the gospel, didn't want to see the mission die and gifted us with this church. This morning, our passage in Luke 12 is all about the second coming of Jesus. Listen, brothers and sisters, the certain second coming of Jesus. It's all about what Jesus is going to find his disciples doing when he comes back to get us. And the word says clearly, he's not looking for a church that's big. He's not after a church that, that's loud. He's not looking for a church that's relevant, a, a church to be impressive. No, the Bible says he wants to find us awake and faithful and trusting in him. That's the first thing we see in our passage. Servants of Christ must be found awake when Christ comes back. Servants of Christ must be found awake. Jesus says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. He's saying we should be alert. We should be ready. Our eyes should not be surprised, but no, we should have been looking heavenward. And, and he describes in very vivid terms what that looks like for us. He says in verse 35, he says, stay dressed for action. Or more literally, it's let your loins stay girded. You told a friend that this week? Make sure you keep your loins girded this week. It's not a term we typically use, but in Jesus' day, they would have these long flowing tunics all the way down to their ankles. And so if they were going to do anything like walk or run, anything strenuous, They'd have to tie them up past their knees if they were going to be ready. If they were going to move. Jesus says, stay dressed for action, church. And he says that they're to keep their lamps burning. You, you must keep your lights on. You must keep your lights on because the master is coming when you least expect it. So you must be ready as God's people to receive him when he comes. Not surprised by his return, but expecting his return. 
Peter says something similar in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, which literally means girding up the loins of your mind and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Does that sound like your heart today that you're... Your mind's girded up, you're sober-minded, and your hope is fully, not on something in this earth, but fully on the grace that I'll receive. The grace that'll be lavished upon me at the coming of Christ. Jesus is saying, spiritually speaking, my servants, my church, should always be dressed and ready to go. We should have the lights always on, always ready to receive our Savior at the door. Our eyes should not be closed. Our eyes should be heavenward looking for Jesus to come. But the opposite of being awake, what's the opposite of being awake? It's to be asleep, right? And how often does that happen to so many of our hearts? Where where we fall asleep, where we grow tired, This might look like apathy in your life. Where you've grown sleepy towards the mission of God. Your heart's grown cold to the things of God. Maybe it shows up as idolatry in your heart. Where where you worship and you adore and you love something of this earth more than you love and adore Jesus Christ. This might look like worldliness. How many of the church, even today, the world has rocked us to sleep? The world has sedated us with sin. Sedated us with the the little pleasures of this world that we think are better than Jesus. Or it could look like distractions where even the good gifts The good gifts that we find around us have our hearts instead of the giver who's given them to us. Have you ever fallen asleep at a time when you you shouldn't be asleep? Maybe some of y'all like at work have fallen asleep or in class, at school, or maybe in church this morning. Or maybe even behind the wheel. Have you ever done that one? That one will scare you to death on the interstate. Or where you come to your senses and you think really quick, how long was I asleep? Like, like how many, hopefully, feet did I drive? Like, how long was I asleep? How long was I out for? Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to use this message to have, have you come to your senses. To, to wake up. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to your, your heart, how long have you been asleep? How long has it been since you prayed to the Lord? How long has it been since you've been on your face? How long has it been since you've read God's Word? Since, since you confessed your sin? Since you shared Jesus with someone else? My prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would wake us up. That He would wake us up to the glory of Jesus. 
to the beauty of Jesus, that Jesus is better than anything that's lulling you to sleep. Anything that's making you forget about Jesus, Jesus is better to wake us up now to the reality that Jesus is coming back. It's not a nice thing to sing on a Sunday morning at the end of Come Thy Fount. No, it's a reality that one day we are going to behold His face and our sin will be no more and we will know our Savior like we've never known Him before. And His beauty will be more captivating than we'd ever thought it could be. And His glory, we will say, will be more worth it than anything that we gave our lives to while we were here. Jesus will be better. And so, Spirit, let's pray in our hearts right now. Spirit, would you wake us up? Oh, we want to be awake to you. And look what happens when he comes, when he comes and he finds his servants awake. And in other passages throughout the Gospels, we hear that when the master comes back, he, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And who doesn't want to hear those words? Who doesn't want to hear the affirmation of your master over you saying, well done, well done, good and faithful Servant, what joy to hear those words, to hear Christ affirming you. However, listen to the grace that is dripping in this passage right here. Listen to the grace dripping because it says this, Blessed are those servants whom the Master finds awake when He comes. Truly I say to you, He will dress Himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. Did you hear what I just said? Listen to it again. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. Like If you've ever been startled by the grace of, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, just stay awake. Just stay awake because those who are waiting for Him with joy, the Bible says He will wait on you. For those who are waiting for Jesus, it sounds blasphemous that I even say it with my lips. Jesus with grace and with joy and delight will come and will gladly serve you. Brothers and sisters, we don't know if Jesus is coming in the first watch or the second watch. If he's coming today or if he's coming a thousand years from now. But Jesus says clearly today, stay awake. Stay dressed. Stay ready for our Savior is coming for us. The second thing we see is that servants of Jesus must be found faithful. Now, being awake, being ready and watchful doesn't mean we are to do nothing. Jesus is not telling his servants to sit on their blessed assurance and just look at heaven, look at the skies all day long. No, faithful servants don't sit still. They don't grow stagnant. They stay faithful to the task. This is not saying true disciples are always fruitful, does it? 
but we are to remain faithful. Jesus says, blessed is the servant. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set over him all his possessions. What will he be doing? Well, this faithful steward, this wise manager, the master leaves his whole house to him. Leaves him everything so that he might care for his household, that he might love his family while he's gone. And so the question for us is, what has the master called us to do? What task are we to be faithful in doing? Well, in the simplest way to put it, anything God's word has called us to do, we should be found faithful in doing. When you read God's word and God calls you to obedience, it's not, it's not optional. He's calling you to walk in obedience to him. So we should love one another, pray for one another, confess our sins to one another, encourage one another, be holy as he is holy, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to, slow to become angry. Children should obey their parents. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Even in this passage, you stay dressed. Jesus just told us to stay dressed, to stay awake, to stay ready. That's what we're called to do. And literally, we could do this all day long. Because there's over a thousand commands just in the New Testament alone. Listen, if the Lord's called you to do it, You're accountable to it. Pretty simple, right? It's pretty clear. If Jesus was coming back today, he wants to find you faithful to his word. Faithful to his word. Yet there's a a specific command Jesus gives to every church and every Christian in Matthew 28. It's the last command Jesus leaves with his church. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The Lord has called every servant here today, every disciple, every single Christian to make disciples. It's the one thing that the Lord expects to find his servants doing when he comes back. He expects Christians to be sharing the gospel, doing spiritually good to others, to be engaged in his mission. Never forget the the last couple weeks listening to that song we sang this morning. There is one gospel. And getting to that last verse when it says, And when in glory still I will sing of this old story that rescued me. I couldn't help but just break down in tears thinking about, In heaven we will be singing of the amazing glory that Jesus has rescued us. 
That's our story if we're in Jesus. That We had no hope outside of Jesus. We were great sinners outside of Jesus, but the story didn't leave us there. Jesus came and rescued us from our sins by dying on the cross and rising again. And as long as we're on this side of glory, as long as we're on this side of Jesus coming back again, that's our story to tell. That can be someone else's story today as we tell of how Jesus can rescue them. I'm so encouraged that Forest Park core team is going to replant Forest Park to to make disciples in Bowling Green, to continue to do what they have done so well here. So excited for the Nichols who are planting churches and making disciples in Central Asia and the Salmons who will be going to the Netherlands this fall and all the campus ministries that are engaged in sharing this story and making disciples on campus. And Refuge Bowling Green who is influencing and investing intentionally in people throughout Bowling Green who others are forgetting about telling the story of Jesus. I'm overjoyed to be a part of a church where making disciples is not optional. It's a non-negotiable for Christians. So the question for each one of us today is, if Jesus was to return today, how would he find you faithfully engaged in the mission of God? Not you, the church, but you individually. How would he find you faithfully engaged in the mission of God? This can be seen in how you give your money, how you spend your time, where you move, how you pray, who you spend your time with. Because let me be honest, as one of your pastors, there are many faithful servants Many faithful servants that have been so faithful to the gospel at Bowling at Christ Fellowship who are leaving to go to Forest Park. And so who, who will be the next to step up? Who will be the next elders in this room? The, the next church planner that's sitting in here right now? The next missionary to go overseas? The next community group leader or faithful servant making disciples here in Bowling Green? How are you faithfully engaged in the mission of God? If there's any question I would love for you to wrestle with this week, it's that question. How are you faithfully engaged in the mission of God? But the flip side of faithfulness, you've probably heard the saying before, when the, when the cat's away, the mice will play. You ever heard that saying before? Well, when I was growing up, it was when mom and dad were away, the, the kids, the teenagers were going to play. You know, your mom and dad, they would tell you, they would say, hey, we'll be back at 4 p.m. And you don't need to do any of these things. You don't need to do X, Y, and Z, but you better have all this done, all these chores done when I get back. And what would we do, right? If you're anything like me, we would do all the bad things, the wrong things. We would eat every Oreo in the house. We would wrestle, play football, move the furniture, watch TV the whole time. And then at like 3.54, we would be like, we have six minutes 
to do everything. And we would just like scramble to get it done in the last minute. And Jesus says this is a lot of times what unfaithful servants do. When, when Christ is away, they start to play. It says that the unfaithful servants, they start to eat, drink, and, and get drunk. And they start beating the people they are responsible for. Those who they should have been good stewards for. They start saying things like, Jesus is, Jesus is taking forever. Jesus has been gone a long time now. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus was here. Why would he come anytime soon? And they start growing comfortable. When you start growing comfortable, you start growing worldly. You start getting lulled to sleep by the things of this world. And listen, the difference between mom and dad and Jesus is that the Bible says none of us here today know the time or hour when Jesus will return. And listen, we can't scramble to throw sin under the bed when he shows up. We, we can't scramble to throw faithfulness together when we see our Savior. Don't miss what the Master says he, will happen with the unfaithful here. This is so sobering. Do you notice that he doesn't say, I'm going to give them a good talking to? He, he doesn't pull them aside and say, I'm really disappointed. But no, Jesus says he will cut them in pieces. Did you hear me? He will cut, I'm reading the Bible. He will cut them in pieces. Literally, the word is dichotomize them. He will cut them in two. He will put them with the unfaithful ones. They're going to receive a beating for not doing all that the Father had given them. It's a, it's a picture of utter rejection. Listen, faithfulness to the Master is not optional for you. And if it's optional for you, then He's not your Master. I'll say that again. Faithfulness to, to Jesus is not optional for you. And if it is optional for you, then He's not your Master. He's not your Lord. Jonathan Edwards wrote a bunch of resolutions uh, of how he wanted to live to honor Christ in his earlier days as a young man and how he wanted to be faithful to Jesus. And here was one of his resolutions. Resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. If I was about to hear the last trumpet. Brothers and sisters, if you're anything like me, this call to be awake, this call to be a faithful leads you to desperation. Because you can look at your life and see the ways that you haven't been faithful. This desperately leads us to this last point, that servants of Christ must be found trusting. Must be found trusting in Him, devoted to Him. Because listen, if I were to ask you, why did Jesus come to earth? What would you say? Like if I asked you that question, I pulled you aside in the foyer when you came in and said, why did Jesus come to earth? What? What would you say? 
My guess is you'd probably say something like, well, he, he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Or you'd say something like, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And those would all be true. But how many of you would say, Jesus came to cast fire on the earth? None of you, not one person would have said that when you walked in today. That Jesus came to cast fire on the earth. But that's exactly what Jesus says right here. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would it, and would it were already kindled. He says, I came for the judgment of God, and I wish the fire had already began. Listen, if we're not careful, we, we could hear Jesus sound very heartless right there. Very hateful, or maybe lacking compassion. But look at the very next verse. Verse 50 says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great my distress until it is accomplished. Brothers and sisters, Jesus isn't looking forward to the wrath of God falling on the unfaithful sinners. Jesus is looking forward to the cross where the wrath of God would fall fully on him. See, Jesus knew if you were to be received by the Father, he'd have to be rejected by his Father. And that's why even in this moment, he's already under great distress. He's not just sweating drops of blood and in anguish in the garden. No, in his life, knowing that the cross was coming, he was in great distress until it was accomplished, he said. The word here translated accomplished is telestai. It's, it's similar to a word we know as tetelesta. The cry from the cross where Jesus drank down God's wrath for you in your place. What we're got, where Jesus took the judgment of God from his Father and then cried out from the cross, It is finished. For the sinner, it is finished. For the unfaithful ones, it is finished. The only faithful one, the only righteous one, Jesus Christ completely did the Father's will by bearing the wrath of God in your place. For you, the unfaithful one, he accomplished what you could not accomplish. So brothers and sisters, don't miss it. The, the wrath of God is going to fall somewhere. It's either going to fall on you forever in hell for your sins, or it fell fully on Jesus for your sins on the cross. It's the only two options. Either the wrath of God fell, will fall on you forever in hell, or it fell on Jesus at the cross. And this is exactly why Jesus says he came not to bring peace, but division. Because the most divisive thing in the world, believe it or not, it's not masks. And it's not politics. And it's not a vaccine. It's not abortion. The most divisive thing in the world is Jesus. The most divisive question you could ask anybody is, what are you going to do 
with the Son of Man. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Every single person in the world is divided by Jesus. Will you receive him or will you reject him? Will his wrath fall on you or will it fall on Jesus at the cross? Jesus knows the divisive nature of his kingship. He knows that for many people, reconciliation to God is going to be separation from people. And we see it here in verse 53. Even the closest of people. Ask those who are following Christ today in the Middle East, in northern Africa, what it means, what it takes, what it costs you to follow Jesus. Look at verse 53. He says, Father will turn against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. This one might not seem as hard. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. But, but in that day, think about this, in that day they were living in the same household. They were as close as blood living in the same household. And Jesus says, I've come and Allegiance to me, affection for me, is going to divide even the closest of relationships. It really comes down to people being divided by their affection. Divided by their allegiance. Because just in two short chapters, Jesus is going to say, Hey, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters. Yes, even his own life. You cannot be my disciple. Jesus is not saying, he's not giving you permission to go out here and hate people. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, your love for others should pale in comparison to your love for me. He's saying your allegiance to me should outweigh all other allegiance that you have on this earth. Because Jesus is the only Savior who could bear God's wrath for you. And he's the only Savior who did bear God's wrath for you. Who else is worthy of your allegiance? Who else is worthy of your attention? Who else is worthy of all your affection? Who else but Christ our King? Who else but Jesus, our Savior? Listen, we could talk today as we close. We could talk about 5, 10, 20 years, even 100 years from now. What will Christ's fellowship be doing? But what if Jesus was to return today? What if Jesus was to come back right now? Would you be found awake? Would you be found faithful? Would you be found trusting in Him and Him alone? Because Jesus says, you, you know the times. Man, y'all are really good at looking at the skies. You know when you look towards the Mediterranean. You know when rain's coming. And, and you know when the sun, the scorching heat is about to come. But you're missing that Christ is here. And you're missing that it's time to repent. That you must repent. 
And every one of us right now could do the exact same thing. Everybody here today could say, you know what, I, I heard the gospel last week. You know what, I'll come back next week and I'll get to hear it again. There'll be more chances to trust in Jesus. There'll be more chances to repent and run from my sin and cling to Jesus as my only Savior. And Jesus says in our passage, you hypocrite. You're a fool to think there'll be more time to repent. To think you'll have another day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. What if today was the day that we were going to see Jesus? What if today was the day we were going to see Jesus? Are you ready? Are you awake? Are you faithful? Is all your hope in Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we ask, oh Lord, that even in this moment that you would wake us up. Lord, that you would wake us up to the amazing grace of Jesus, that he came the first time to live for us. The faithful one who went to a sinner's cross for all of us who were unfaithful. And he went to that cross that he might bear the full wrath of God, that he might receive the judgment of God in our place and then rise again, that we might run to him and found life forevermore. And Lord, it's clear from your passage that Jesus didn't just come once. He is coming again for us as a people. And Lord, his desire is that he would find us awake, that he would find us dressed with our lamps burning, ready to receive him with joy. And that, Lord, he would find us faithful, faithful to to do what you have called us to do, faithful to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all nations. And Lord, he desires for us to to find us completely trusting in Him, fully devoted to Him because of all that He has done for us. Lord, so I pray that You would wake us up. Lord, by Your grace and for Your glory, would You wake up sinners this morning that we might be awake, faithful, and clinging to Jesus. We pray all this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.